This is the Cherryleaf Podcast. I find myself in Windsor again and I'm by Eaton Bridge which goes over the River Thames and looking one way I can see into Eaton and the shops and the pubs that way and if I turn the other way I can see a castle, Windsor Castle. So there may be some noise in the background like bicycles going past aircraft, boats on the river and the like but hopefully that won't be too distracting. We're just out of the lockdown here in the UK and I thought it'd be a good opportunity to do another podcast episode outside rather than indoors. And this one is about images. We posted some questions on social media. One was what would you want to know about creating screenshots and other graphics for user guides and the other question we asked was what did you think you should be in a course about creating screenshots and other graphics. And we got a lot of responses, really good response. So what I thought we'd cover in this episode is go through what responses we got and then the reasons why we asked it. So let's go through the responses that we got and mainly the ones relating to the question about what should be in a course if you wanted to learn about creating screenshots and graphics. So the question that we asked was what topics would a course on creating screenshots and other graphics, what topics should be in it? So let me go through the answers or responses that we got. So one was from Professor Michael Meng, who is Professor at Merzburg University of Applied Sciences in Germany. And he said it should cover the empirical research that is available showing requirements screenshots have to meet to be helpful and effective. And then he referred to a paper that was published in 2004 in the STC's journal called Technical Communication and the paper was called Empirical Proof for Presenting Screen Captures in Software. And we had a response from Colin Hillis, PhD, FISTC, who is Senior Technical Communications Manager at White Hat Security. He said it would be good to consider taking consistent screenshots when annotation is saved in the image as opposed to annotating images in a layer in the finished document. Consistent sizing of annotation is always difficult in this setting, given the amount of variables. Relevant points to consider are size on screen, pre-capture, extent of zoom pre-capture, quality of screen, Snagit settings for quality, save resolution, and also the dimensions attributes used within image references in ASCII docs. This is more relevant to ASCII docs, etc., where there are no drawing tools to annotate inside the writing tool, unlike traditional writing tools like FrameMaker and Madcap Flare. And we had a response from Adrian Warman, who's Principal Cyber Security Consultant at the Ministry of Justice in the United Kingdom. And he said, what accessibility considerations apply, both in text descriptions and colour and contrast options? And Vinish Garg said a course should cover metadata best practices for all images and screenshots in the technical documentation and to align with this metadata with other images and digital assets used in the product code and images. And it's raining. 
Ravi Kumar B said, writers must spend time in preparing the sample data that needs to be captured on the screen shots. Most of the first drafts contain screenshots with test data, which help in validating the UI, but do not look good in documentation or in training. The other common practice is to capture screenshots and paste or embed them directly in the document, but that results in large document sizes. Screenshots must be first saved as individual image files and then get inserted into the document. Uh, Steve Riley, who's project and account manager, said using a short, simple style guide to keep consistency when working collaboratively. Call out style, colors, fonts, resize percentage, etc. Helping non-specialists contribute to a project. For example, I sometimes get product specialists to work up a help draft topic on their area that I might tidy up. The less for me to do editorially wise, the better. Uh, Julian Maynard-Smith, who's a business writer, who wrote a book recently called Better Business Writing, provided some ideas from his book, using graphics only to reinforce or illuminate what the text says. Graphics purely for prettiness place a cognitive burden on readers. Ensure that graphics are immediately after or alongside the text. Avoid very wide screenshots, which require you to either flip to landscape or shrink the graphic, which can either be annoying for the reader or, the, with the second option, reduce legibility. Either crop the image to the important bit or use arrows or callouts to indicate which bits are important. If you're using Word, don't paste elements such as bubbles and callouts on top using Word's native graphics because if the main image changes, position or size, the elements slide all over the place. Andre Tran, who's a technical writer, said, I would love to know about more about possible ways to automate screenshots, maybe leveraging or leveraging macro plugins in the browser or QA testing tools such as Selenium, Catalan, Studio, etc. The big challenge, of course, is that these tools can be rather complex and it's hard to know if the time to invest in learning them and setting them up is worth it. Gareth Bowen, who's Technical Publications Manager at Emerson and Renwick, said resource management, naming convention and batch editing. And Sue Burnett said copyright considerations when using any third-party content. We had a comment from David Hollis who referred to a comment that he'd made on LinkedIn relating to Tom Johnson's podcast about simplified user interfaces. And David said, graphics, reuse and management, numbered breakouts for easier translation. And how common are screenshots of menus? I would take a screenshot of a window, but not a menu. I'd just use file, connect no mobile device, etc. If a menu needed a screenshot, surely that's a problem with the UI. And Richard Aurora said, can I fix images in Confluence? And Stuart Burnfield said, I had a question recently about caption placement. There seems to be a consensus, though not universal agreement, that captions should go below diagrams but above tables. When deciding where, whether and how to caption, are screenshots the same as other visual figures? And Walter Fiekin said considerations for screenshot style guides. For example, do we allow partial screenshots? Do we include or exclude borders and window titles? What base resolution and screen size do we use? What diagram types work best for a given situation? 
for example, explaining processes versus explaining states versus explaining systems. Freeform versus structured, for example, UML and similar. Benefits and disadvantages thereof. And thirdly, how to maximize screenshot lifespan and maintaining nobility. Craig Wright said, resolution, image file sizes, file types, and which ones work best for different types of image, excluding irrelevant parts of the UI, using blur, blank boxes, etc. Benefits of using number callouts, importance of alt text for accessibility, importance of white space, especially in complex diagrams, importance of text to accompany diagrams for those people who struggle with diagram-only instructions, importance of not relying on colour coding for important information, colour blindness, visual impairment, etc. And Rhonda Bracey, who's in Australia, said layers, they do my head in. So why did we ask that question? And the reason for that is that we are, as we're moving into quarter two of 2021, we've got some capacity to start to develop some new e-learning courses. It's been a bit hectic for the last six months with project work and consultancy and developing virtual classroom courses. Those are the ones where we have a live trainer delivering over Teams. So we haven't been introducing new e-learning courses for a little while and we want to do that and we have the opportunity to spend some time and put together some more courses. We have been thinking about creating an e-learning course on creating screenshots and other graphics and that's why we basically asked the question to get some research check that what we've got planned as topics are the ones that people want covered. But why, why did we pick that topic? What we can do from our e-learning platform is we can get statistics on the videos that people are watching and what we can see from that is that rather than the courses around emerging themes, the ones that are really popular are actually the courses and videos on what you might call the bread and butter topics, the ones that affect probably more people than, than others that in some ways you think most people would would know about if they've got a little bit of experience under their belts. And the other reason for picking this is that we do cover images and graphics in our foundation course and the exercise we have on that when it comes to giving feedback that's probably the one where we add the most amount of detail and extra suggestions it's the area where we can talk probably more than than the other topics and of course screenshots and images if you're developing documentation for software well even hardware as well I guess it's one of those things that everybody has to do so when it comes to developing a course the way that we tend to do it, having identified a topic that we want to cover, is to start with a slide deck and put in topics, blank topics for the, the uh, subjects that we want to cover, the key points of information and we start moving things around and fleshing it out and then seeing is there enough information to justify a course, do we have, you know, do we have enough to say and we had a list of topics of different things that people might want to cover, things like creating images, using image maps, using colour, using icons, SVG, the software tools, automating tasks. But it didn't really fit together. 
So one of the problems we had when we looked at that was there really wasn't what you might call a path to success. So we took the topics and we've rearranged them and restructured them. We've taken an idea from somebody else. We've taken an idea from somebody called Cole Nussbaumer Nayflik. And she's got a book and a course called Storytelling with Data, which is all about displaying numerical data. And so we're going to follow basically the same structure that she's applied to images and screenshots. So let me tell you what that is. So a good path to success for creating images, we believe, is to go through these stages. Start by understanding the context. When and where would these screenshots be used? When and where would the user be viewing them? On what device and so on? Decide on the appropriate visual display method. So do you need to use a screenshot, a full screenshot, a diagram, what type of diagram, an icon, and so on. Present it in a way that the user's attention is focused on where you want them to be focused. And then use design techniques to make it pleasing and accessible. And then as a topic really on its own, although we could embed it into all of those themes, but we good to do it as a separate topic, look at the different tools and technologies that are out there for creating this type of content. So within that type of structure, we can cover things like how visual information is perceived, image maps, simplified user interfaces, wordless guides like IKEA use, and so on into that particular structure. And you might have a question in that, and one that I said that we consider when we're planning a course is, is that really enough to talk about when it comes to screenshots and images? I mean, you just grab a screenshot, put it in, don't you? A couple of things have indicated that it, it is definitely worth talking about. One is in terms of the slide deck that we've put together, of the topics that are going to be talked about and discussed. It's now at 304 slides, and that works out at roughly about a day's worth or a day and a half's worth of training in a classroom because if you consider a classroom course they usually begin about 10 they finish about 4 30 you have an hour break for lunch you have coffee breaks there's time for exercises there's going through what the answers are to those exercises and so if you look at the amount of teaching time where the trainer is up presenting giving you information it's probably 40 or 50 percent of the time of the actual course recording videos and creating exercises and answers combined all of that it's looking like it's equivalent of, of what would be covered in a classroom in as i said in a day or a day and a half so we've had really the opposite problem in some ways of how do we keep it within boundaries how do we not stray off too far and make it too big and think about what we should cover, what we shouldn't cover. So what we're doing is we're going to focus on images and screenshots for user guides and online help created by technical communicators. And as such, we're not really going to focus on things like highly detailed technical illustrations, for example, that you might find in aerospace or in automotive industry, and equally CAD drawings or three-dimensional diagrams of physical objects we're only going to touch on those briefly and equally topics like augmented reality and virtual reality there's so much to cover on that that that's going to be outside of the realm of this course 
and that was a bicycle going past. And we're not going to look at how to draw or data visualisation, how to present statistical data. We also had lots of suggestions that we covered from the feedback on social media. Some of those edge cases we're not going to cover. The tricky question, some of them, probably best addressed by consultancy, I would say, than necessarily on a training course. So that's what we started on, and that's what we're going to be working on, a e-learning course on screenshots and graphics. And it will be an e-learning course, given the lockdown and the constraints that we're under. We're not at this stage looking at having it as a classroom course. And what we're planning to do is to add it to the bundle of courses that are available on our intermediate and advanced course bundle. So it'll be the 11th course in that bundle. That's, if you're not familiar with it, a pay-monthly scheme. You pay each month, cancel whenever you want. We're still in two minds. Depends on whether there's interest on just having it as a standalone course for a one-off fee. But we might see that. still in two minds. As for when it will be available, we've recorded most of the videos for the course. We've got three to go, which is on SVG files, demonstrations of different tools and a little bit about doing animations of drawings and the like and the other things we need to do if you've ever created a training course you'll know these are quite a challenge some of the exercises and some of the answers to go with the exercises there's about 20 exercises in the course we've done 10 we've got 10 to go well we have pretty much all the questions for the course we've got 10 answers that we need to write to go with those and then what we'll do is we'll put it through some testing and announce it and release it we might do an early access pre-release beta version if uh, things get slowed down by one particular area if that's something you want to be kept up to date with or informed as to when it's going to be released your best bet is probably to sign up to our newsletter i don't think we've mentioned our newsletter for a while it comes out each month it's free of charge the purpose of it is to help people become better business and technical communicators. So it has links to articles and news all around creating documentation, technical documentation and business documentation from us and from other people. So if you're listening to this podcast, I suspect a lot of that is of interest to you. I'll put a link in the show notes so you can sign up and, and I hope it's of use to you. If you have some thoughts on what you'd like a course on images and screenshots to cover, or you have thoughts on what should be in a course, topics that you think should be in there that we haven't mentioned, then do let us know. It's not too late to tell us. And you can do that by emailing us info at cherryleaf.com or I am on Twitter, Ellis Pratt. E-L-L-I-S-P-R-A-T-T I shall say goodbye from Eton Bridge, from the Thames and from the cyclists that have been going by and again thank you for listening.